Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, good night, whatever the one it is, wherever, whatever time it is that you're listening to this. It's me, your pal Larry. How are you? How is everybody doing? I hope you are staying well or as well as can be expected. It is September 6th. Ooh, it's my friend's birthday. I'm going to give her a call later. Anyway, um, so it's September. I am continuing my focus on mental health awareness because it's something that's affected me personally, my family, my friends, and I feel like there is a shift in culture that needs to happen. So we're going to keep at it. (laughs) Um, Today's episode is is a long one. Uh, Michael and I sat down together and we kind of swapped stories about our own personal struggles of mental health. And how we've come to to where we are now. So I just want to sort of preface this by saying, obviously, we're not healthcare professionals. Um, our coping mechanisms, maybe you should not engage in at all. <laughs> and then if you are struggling with mental health issues or there's something on your mind, even if it seems like a really small thing, first thing obviously is important to know you're not alone you're definitely not alone you always even if you feel like you have nobody if you reach out to a loved one reach out to a friend reach out to me fuck like bro i'm here to help you know what i mean (laughs) but most importantly is to seek out your your resources even if you don't have the money to go see a a psychologist a therapist counselor there are free options online. There are really, really great resources through Beyond Blue, through Lifeline, where you can talk to people and they can provide you with help or with the direction that you need. So I implore you, if you're in one of those positions, hop on the internet. You don't have to expose who you are if you're not comfortable with it. It's just, it's important to look after yourself. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Uh, I am so excited to share this. I'm also really anxious about it because I I specifically reveal more about my own personal struggles than originally intended. And it's, it's scary to be vulnerable, but, you know, it's out there. And this is all part of the self-healing process. So if I can be brave by putting some of my, my past out there, then I suppose let that power you or let that, that that catalyst be something that can help you change too. Anyway, if you want to reach out, you know where we are. Instagram is Mercurial Podcast. Email us mercurial.podcast at gmail.com. You can try me on Twitter or Facebook, but I don't really go there very often. But, you know, Instagram is where I do my main thing. Come find me there. Have a chat. And, um, yeah. Stay classy. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Michael. Hey. Um, you're our gay correspondent. Yes, <laughs> gay, I am. Gay pride. Yes, gay pride correspondent. Correspondent. <laughs> I For feel. Yeah. Well, I I'm actually really glad to be talking with you because I feel like not only with respect to your own mental health mm-hmm. battles, mm-hmm. but being a proud gay man. Yes. The the whole culture, especially over the last 20, 30 years, mm. um, and the mental health issues that go in with that in terms of acceptance yeah. Um, yeah. and everything else 
should provide a, quite an interesting insight as opposed to a lot of some other people I'll talk to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think that you're gay until you're depressed. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's what I tell myself. <laughs> it's like, you're not really gay until you're depressed. <laughs> you know, that's a fair point. Yeah. Because I feel like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is just me being like, uh, feeling like gay people probably have like more of a struggle than straight people, which is obvious. Mm. Um, with acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, not only within themselves, within their families, within their community. Yeah. But I feel like there's such an, there's an underlying dryness to your humour. Because it's like, obviously not everyone is accepting. Mm. And a lot of that goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Where do you think we are on that? What's your, what's your life like on an ordinary day? Honestly, I'm just vanilla as anything. Um, the way that I deal with my mental health issues is I kind of combat that with uh, socializing and also humor, mm. whether that be inappropriate. <laughs> 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 um, but that's my coping mechanism. Yeah, you know, and I, everybody has their own coping mechanisms when they deal with mental health issues, and um, you know that that goes for everybody mm. who has ever dealt with it, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, like that's that's just my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being that, like, so like being gay and being in a place where there's always going to be pockets of people who don't understand it, mm. you know, or people are afraid of what they don't understand or don't accept. Do you think, as a community, there is more we can do with regards to shedding light? on mental health issues in the LGBTIQA plus community. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it, I mean, it, I think uh, for, for these times, everything just kind of goes hand in hand. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, growing up, I, I read a lot of stories about how depressing it was for a lot of people. And I think I resonated mm. with that as well. So it didn't really feel like it was out of the ordinary for me. Yeah. It just felt like a normal thing that people just kind of went through, which is why I came up with the mantra, you know, really get until you're depressed. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think growing up as, as a gay man and as someone who has also dealt with mental health issues, I also look outside of my bubble as well. Yeah. Cause there's so many other people who go through it and like, there's so many other people who I know go through it, who also have different coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends that, you know, rely on rely on alcohol yeah as a coping mechanism um and yeah i think we we just need to expand that bubble or either pop it yeah just pop that bubble and just say look you know this is very very common for everybody involved mm. so we we shouldn't just limit it to, to certain groups or, or certain kinds of people with certain with different experiences you know it's, it's just one of those things it's your brain chemicals yeah as you grow up um, yeah, so I, I think, uh, collectively, um, it shouldn't just be focused on, on a particular group. Yeah. True. I have, I had some exposure with the homeless community, um, many, many years ago now, where a lot of the people who were, who, who, who come to be homeless, sometimes of things not of their own, of their own control. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them, gay men who've been tossed aside. Yeah. Uh, obviously, being the culture here is very, very different now than it was, say, 40 odd years ago. Yeah. 
And a lot of them feel like they were let down by the system. Mm-hmm. And when you talk with them, uh, at the time, my my run-ins with them were usually through like a kind of like a shelter, like a halfway center. Yeah. Um, some of them were being um, rehabilitated is probably a strong word, but transitioned mm-hmm. from say prison or like back into society kind of a thing. And a lot of them, the advice they had to give to me was just like, it was pretty much like a, <laughs> don't judge a book by its cover, we're all going through the same shit show, yep, <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? And I think maybe because I was very, very young when I was exposed to that, it really, really coloured my view on how people, like you said, everyone has their own different coping mechanisms. Yeah. And I think for me, <laughs> my very unhealthy coping mechanism is usually to pretend it doesn't exist at all. It makes me wonder a lot, because um, like how much other people are suffering. Yeah. And the more I have these conversations with people, the more I realize how much other people are going through things, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. We don't. Why? <laughs> I think it's just the uh, the burden. To be honest with you, like mm. um, I used to, I used to just open myself up way too much with with people, mm. and I could just, I could just see myself getting bored of explaining the situation and yeah. then putting myself in the in the in the shoes of the listener and getting bored as being a listener so you know that that's when i kind of like just stopped everything and it goes hand in hand with anxiety yeah. as well right yeah and that's when i kind of just stopped everything and i just went okay i need to i need to drag my ass mm. to a psychologist yeah yeah and you know talk about it i think the thing with mental health probably the most important thing that I want to come across is that it's a different image for every person. Yeah. Right. And for me, I, well, I felt I always did a really good job of hiding it. Like how Mm. much I was quote unquote suffering. Yeah. Um, but me hiding or band-aiding those issues manifested me in other ways. So for me being depressed and stuff, it started with weight gain mm-hmm. and so like nothing nothing i do it didn't matter how active i was it just my body just was like no you just yeah. you won't get fat girl <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're doing you're hungry forever <laughs> no matter how much exercise you do it's not gonna come up my diamond membership my name better be on the bloody wall <laughs> than i swear to god mvp customer yeah. i want to i want acknowledgement i want shares my company uh, eventually of I like get a one plaque. million orders or yes like that although i've been really 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 bad recently because a lot of grocery businesses have come on so i've just been yes. ordering like random snacks or mm-hmm. like i bought cordial on uber eats <laughs> for no d- it's still on my fucking bench yesterday i bought like fruit crush and raspberry cordial i was like you know what water's getting a bit boring i'm gonna yeah. add some cordial to my water why not? <laughs> why not? um so yeah so i had i had the weight gain thing and i went from being oh, i don't even come you know what i'm just gonna put myself out there i don't care i don't care I'm not at that number anymore, so it doesn't matter, Larissa. <laughs> I went from being... I don't know if you remember. I was... Um, I had a lot of body dysmorphia issues when I was in high school. Mm. I No matter how much exercise I did, or how much training, how much whatever, how much I didn't eat, I always, in my mind, thought I was overweight. Mm-hmm. And so even when I was down to like 50 kilos, and on my body frame, doesn't look good, looks like I'm malnourished, couldn't reconcile the fact that... I just wasn't, I wasn't healthy in the way that I didn't think I was healthy. I yeah. thought 
I'm still not going to eat yeah. breakfast or lunch. Yeah. And my dinner was a two packet, two minute packet of noodles. And so when I started gaining weight, I didn't think, hey, I'm depressed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. I didn't think, hey, maybe something else is wrong with me mentally. I was just sort of like, well, this is another way you failed <laughs> at something. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then with that became, you know, anxiety because I was ashamed. Yeah. I didn't want people to see me, especially after like, you know, I was what, 50 kilo, 50, 52, 50, between 52 and 55 kilos when I graduated high school. And then a year later I was like 70 kilos mm-hmm. and I was like, I didn't want to see anyone. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I didn't want them to look at me. I was ashamed. And then I became anxious about going out because I didn't want people to look at me and see a fat person. Mm-hmm. Then I got anxious about that. I stopped socializing. I literally made Chris drive me to the city one day for a birthday party in a hotel. And I refused to get out of the car because I was ashamed. or Like I was afraid of how they would judge me if they saw me. And my anxiety got to the point where I was just like, I couldn't work. Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything. Literally my job was... (laughs) Following Chris around. It's <laughs> <laughs> so sad now when I think about it. I would follow him to work and I would go to the reject shop with like, he would give me like $10, $15 to spend yeah. for myself in a day oh. because I had nothing to do but hang out in a shopping center. Yeah. I was too like stressed to go find a job to get myself employed. Right. I dropped out of uni. I was not interested in anything ever mm. and all I used to do was go to the reject shop I'd buy a shitty acrylic pastel set and a canvas yep. for like $2 and I would go sit outside West Point and I would draw okay. not that I'm a fucking good drawer <laughs> it was just something to pass the time and it was my low point came when someone thought I was homeless because at that point I was like not I had no money because yeah. I'd stopped working like two maybe a year or so beforehand and I was wearing Chris's clothes because none of my clothes fit me anymore. So I was wearing like this like shitty reject shop hoodie that had like the <laughs> fur trim and like stripes on it and like men's cargo shorts uh-huh. and just like whatever pair of thongs I could grab. And I would sit outside my sweat and people threw money at me because I thought I was homeless. Uh-huh. At that point... I was like, no, <laughs> oh no, it's okay. And yeah. I gave the money back. Cause I was like, I'm not homeless. I'm yeah. just, I'm drawing. I'm yeah. art. I was like, I'm an artist. <laughs> what a fucking joke. Anyway, for me, that was like around about time I hit my low point and around about time I told you like the stuff with my mom started going down mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. And because I was so ashamed, I was like so embarrassed of like how I'd let myself go. Yeah. I didn't feel like I could reach out to anybody and say, yeah. hey, I'm struggling. Yeah. Like I can't I can't socialize because I'm embarrassed about what I look like. I can't get a job because I'm so anxious that I'm gonna to talk to someone that is gonna re- reject me off the bat. Yeah. My confidence was way shot. Yeah. And the only thing like the only saving grace I had was like Chris was patient enough to just be like, it enabling me yeah. essentially <laughs> for quite a while <laughs> and then my parents had like a full intervention for me like my dad actually sat me down with the newspaper and was like you need a fucking job <laughs> without yeah. swearing he was like you need a job yeah. look at all the things you could do and I my confidence was so short I was like I can't I can't do anything I didn't mm. feel like I could do anything I couldn't be good at anything I was like what's the point of me even trying and I was like it wasn't that I was thinking about suicide I just thought you know what a really good option would be if I just didn't exist 
but I wasn't that is, actively. That is what a lot of um, you know suicidal people actually think about. Yeah, it's like it's it's not the thought of wanting to kill yourself. It's mm. just the thought of not wanting to live. Yeah. In that moment. Exactly. And you know, just not be like a functioning part of society, just for like a very brief or long period of time. Yeah. But I'm like, how do you have that conversation with your friends? Because that's why I started alienating myself. Yeah. Um, there was only maybe an, another two people I saw on any sort of regular basis. Mm. And I used to put the biggest fucking mask on my face. My life is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm fine. Oh, I'm not working. I'm not studying. I'm just, you know, I'm enjoying this free. Like, it was like, it's a planned gap year. Whereas, yes. it's a... in actual fact, I was so depressed. Yeah. Like, Chris would get... He normally has no hair. <laughs> he is bald because he tore his hair out dealing with me. I would sit in that car and I would cry. I yeah. would just be like, I don't want to be here. Push me onto the side of the road. Like the shit he had to go through just to deal with me. I was like, <sighs> that poor guy. <laughs> Chris, you're a legend. He doesn't listen to these. <laughs> because they're not good enough for him. <laughs> I'm sure they're fine. Um, but that was like the first, um, even I think back to then, that was like 10 years ago plus. Yeah. 13 years ago, maybe mm-hmm. 15 years ago. Even at that point, I didn't think I had mental health issues. I was oh. like, this is, this is just, I'm just not good. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm just trash as yeah. a human being. Mm-hmm. Just put me out to pasture. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And it's only like now with retrospect and with age, I'm like, I was a messed up kid. And then I think further back, I think back to my body dysmorphia as a mm-hmm. teenager. I was literally starving myself because I didn't, I had this thing in my head that if I was skinny, I would be accepted. Yeah. Regardless of how smart I was, regardless of anything else. Mm. And then in that time as well, because of my, because all my focus was on how I looked, especially between the ages. Tim, I hope you're listening because this is a lot to do with girls and social media. Um, <laughs> you asked for this. Coming um, up next, I'm in the Between 15 and 17. So like grades 10 to 12. Yeah. Grades 10 to 12? 9 to 12, I should say. I was so focused on how I looked that... I thought that's where my value was as a human being is mm. that I'm not going to be worth anything to anyone if I'm not at least physically attractive. Right. And that's how like I sold myself to people. It was like, I was the bunny boiler. Mm. I was the one that was like, I wanted boys to chase me. And yeah. I was like flirty, just a really dumb teenage girl. I made a lot yeah. of stupid messages. I hurt a lot of people yeah. in those years because for them, it wasn't about you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was about me, <laughs> my body issues. And, you know, and with that came a little bit of narcissism. And so when that all got ripped away from me, not only was I like, well, yeah, of course you're a piece of shit. Of course this happened to you. But, like, my vanity being taken from me as well was like, well, you deserve this. Mm. You deserve everything you've got now because you treated people like dirt and now your life is dirt. And mm. so I was like, well, yep, this is the universe coming back to, like, slap me in the face. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so easy to accept those kind of like harsh punishments especially mm. if it's like self-inflicted yeah um to pass off as karma Mm-mm. because of you know xyz the things that you did in the past as well um and i wholly resonate with the with the vanity part of it mm. um because you know growing up gay i mean i in high school i didn't really care what it looked like it wasn't until i actually came out 
and started going out in, in the scene, mm. then I actually started really caring about what I looked like to people. Mm. Um, I constantly put myself down, never went out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when my, growing up, like my, my parents were very homophobic. My dad was especially outwardly homophobic. Um, just as an example, he would throw away all of my CDs that he bought me if there was a girl on cover. And then there was one time, uh, I was on the phone with Telstra and the guy came to our house to, to install our broadband. And he said to my dad, oh, I thought I was talking to your daughter before. And that kind of like flipped the switch on him oh, as well. No. And my dad used to make me like, you know, like stand in front of the mirror mm-hmm. and practice deepening my voice so that I could actually start sounding like a man. And I, I kept at it for about probably, I don't know, two months. Okay. And then after that, I just didn't really care. Like, I was just like, um, you know, I mean, I, I knew that I was, I was gay when I was eight. I just didn't know that there were complications that mm. would come with it. Um, especially when it came to, to the family and with society as well. I mean, 2000 was very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was me growing up. And then, you know, when, I, I, you know, I was exposed to so much, um, media coming up because, you know, social media was booming and, you know, I, I took, um, Ellen's words and content as like gospel and it's like, oh, you know, being gay is going to be fucking awesome. I can't wait to get out of there. I can't mm. wait to like, you know, be proud of who I be proud of who I am. And the first time that I went out, um, as an open gay man, as an, an as an 18 year old, I went out to a gay club in Sydney. Um, I was also with your sister at the time and you know, some, some guy just kind of looks me up and down and he's like, Oh, what the fuck is an Asian doing here oh. in a, in a, in a nightclub? I didn't think anything of it. Right. Until I researched racism within the gay community and how prevalent it was. Mm. And I just felt, I was shocked. Like that was, that was a thing. Like I was more out from the ages of eight to 18 than I was from 18 to 28, which is now. Mm. I like pushed myself back into the closet. I was like, nope, not doing it. I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to go with people. I'm not going to even tell my parents. Like even to this day, I haven't even told my parents. Um, and to be fair, I don't think I need to. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that's, you know, the image is such a huge, th- a huge thing. It's such a huge thing, especially within, within gay communities. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous road to be, to be going down, especially, uh, if somebody like you yourself is going to be going through it from high school. Mm. Um, but yeah, like it's just shit. It's really shit. And that was probably the stem of my mental health issues growing up. Um, didn't really accept all that until now. Yeah. 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 It doesn't come until like no, until really, you're mature, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so it's so dumb because it's like mm. a it's like a whole two decades of my life that I could have been like living out to my fullest but mm. I, you know, I, I I chose to I chose my, my coping mechanism was to hide. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what everybody does. Um, you know, I've I've had a lot of coworkers who were very open and honest with me about their depression as well. Mm-hmm. And the, the first thing that they always hear, the, the, this is the thing that they always get mad about, is like, they always get that phrase, you don't look depressed. Yeah. Or like, I wouldn't but you think, look fine. Yeah, like, I wouldn't think that you were depressed, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a kind of, it's the same as saying, like, you don't look gay. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, like, some people just hide it really, really well. Mm-hmm. And that's their coping mechanism. Because yeah. Because they've had 
you know, a copious amount of bullshit thrown their way for, for God knows how long that we don't even know, you know, we're not in a, we're not in a place to judge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's interesting you say that, but the hiding, because I know like with me, I hid, it's like, it's so, it's so complicated. When I finally sort of came out of that, like jobless funk, <laughs> <laughs> um, I still had very, very, very bad confidence issues. Yes. Not just like physically. Yes. But talking to adults, like asking for help, unheard of. Like yeah. I couldn't do it. For me, in my main, in my mind, and I know this is like a lot of it stems from how I was raised. Um, my father being a very conservative former military man yeah. who was raised in a completely different era. He was born in the 40s um, and had me very like in his, in his 40s mm. and now he's in his 70s. Like um, being raised like that. And with a parent, my mom, who didn't really, who had her own things to deal with. And so a lot of time I kind of just was self-taught, right? Because yeah. my dad was very, not very hands-on. Yeah. He was more like the mother does the, does, does the raising, he's the breadwinner. Yeah. And my mom couldn't take care of me, I took care of myself. And so the way I taught myself how to live was to be timid. Yeah. And if you fly under the radar and no one notices you, you'll be fine. Mm. And so when I started feeling like I wasn't coping and I started suffering from like anxiety and I was getting very like depressed and I was suffering from insomnia, I couldn't feel like I could tell anyone that because for me it was like, well, you look fine. Yeah. Like you came to work yesterday Yeah. or, um, I saw you on the weekend and your, you know, your snaps look like yeah. you're having a good time like you or your Facebook's yeah it's like you were having a party on the and Saturday. so I'd be like yeah 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 you're right like I'm fine I'm fine yeah. and I'm like oh it's it's nothing mm-hmm. and so for a long 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 time I just sort of pushed and bottled it and I pushed everything down yeah. I was like I don't have any problems to deal with and because in my mind everyone has shit to deal with do you know yes. what I mean and like the most important thing I'd learned getting to know other adults as a young adult especially when I was like 19 mm-hmm. when I started this damn job was that everybody had shit to deal with and how dare I put that A on someone else, burden them with things I thought, you know, how stupid of me to think I'm struggling when someone's probably got it 10 times worse than me. And then B, if you tell them you're going to look weak. Yep. Yeah. And I, I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. In my mind, I was like, for someone to think, that I was pathetic and yeah. that I couldn't handle my shit because I was stressed out or I was anxious or I was, you know, going home to cry because something happened. Yeah. Like I was like, nah, I can't do it. Yeah. So I created a facade where yeah. I was super bubbly. Mm-hmm. Nothing in this world is ever going to bother me. Sweep it all under the carpet. Just fucking deal with it later. And yeah. the way I dealt with it was either I would eat until I wanted to throw up, drink till I wanted to throw up. Mm-hmm. Do stupid, talk stupid. I started self-harming at a point mm-hmm. where not, you know, I wouldn't cut myself because it was too obvious. And I was like, I don't want to look like a simp. I don't <laughs> want to be one of those bitches that has like cut marks up and down their arms and legs. But I would deliberately start putting myself into situations where I would get injured. Right. So to the point where like I would bruise myself, mm-hmm. which I didn't know was a thing. I just knew that I craved a physical pain. Yeah. And so I would go out of my way to like smash metal bars on my legs or on my arms and Chris 
cottoned onto it at some point. He's like, why are you fucking doing that? Why are you hurting yourself? And for me, it was like, it wasn't self-harm. In my mind, it was just like, I just want to feel. Yeah, this is a thing. You know what I mean? I want, this is my outlet. If I can't channel through whatever other needs to do in a healthier way, that was like, where's my drumstick? I'm just going to repeatedly smack myself in the shin until a welt appears. You know what I mean? Like stupid shit. And so... All the time I was just like, oh yeah. And so for me, like bruising was like a reminder. It was like, oh, you know, if you press it, I would enjoy it. Because I'd be like, oh, I remember like, it's still, it's still like, oh man, I can't even bruise myself now. Because it like triggers me. It goes back and like, it feels good to me, which is really fucked up. (laughs) We could go into a whole list of issues with that. (laughs) Liking pain. (laughs) But, um. like one of those deadites from, um, from what is it, Evil Dead? Yeah, they, they like. They, um, the deadites from Evil Dead, they, they like to inflict pain on themselves and they get pleasure out of it. That would be, that would be my thing. Yeah. See, and that's, so it's very important I don't engage in any triggering behavior. Mm. And so eventually this, this facade of bubbliness, which I still fight myself not to put on now Mm. because it's been a part of my coping coping mechanism for so long. Yeah. But legit, every time says I'm, someone says to me I'm so bubbly, a part of me dies inside because I want to be it like, so that's true. not me. It is so It's not true. me. I'm faking this for you. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because um, it's more accessible to the other yes. person to see, right? Accessible, yeah. acceptable, yeah. easier. Marketable, if not. <laughs> yeah. People people love dealing with the bubbly person. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, you know, it's so easy to deal with them. Yes. There's no issue. We know it's going to get done. There's no baggage that comes with it. You know that she's not going to complain. Like, that's that, that's the shtick I have, right? Is mm. I, I don't complain when I'm handed a bad hand. I just go, yep, I get on with it. Yeah. Because that's what I've had to do my whole life. Yeah. And then, and then I stop sleeping. Mm, and that, that's when it all came through right <laughs> bad idea. i was i was going along on a happy trail and and then i started having sleep issues and i think started like 2012 ish mm-hmm. um to the point where i my personality started shifting and i felt like i had to hide more because at that point it's when I, when you're sleep deprived yeah harder. <laughs> 100%. Like your, your coping mechanism just go fucking down the drain. You're, that's when you it's hear like real someone, shit someone right? says hello to you, it's just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna get hurt. But I, I got to a point where it was, it was really, really, really bad for me because I still couldn't find the courage to ask for help. Mm. Still couldn't admit to myself that I needed help. I think and... that's, I think that's like the hardest step for anybody to go through, to be honest, because, you know, I mean, I'm 28. I didn't go to therapy until I was 27 yeah i don't know anyone does it to be honest yeah it's it's honestly it's it's so um confronting Mm. and you know that you're doing it for yourself but you also know that you're doing it because of you yeah you know you're dragging yourself to to go see a therapist for the first time and i remember when i when i scheduled for a therapist i had to go through the whole um the whole process of getting with the the mental health um, the test yeah the, the test sheet. yeah the test that you have to go through with with your gp um them setting up uh, a visit for you with the psychologist and i remember like the first time that i i was meant to go i i went to the station and i somehow didn't check the address so it was like really really far away mm-hmm. and i walked probably it was like a 15 minute walk away from where i was i probably walked for about five minutes and I walked back 
and I, I called up and I said, look, I can't do it today. I, you know, I'm not feeling great. Um, and then I rescheduled for another time. I rescheduled for another time, also freaked out again, mm-hmm. had to cancel it. And the psychologist said, look, if I can't see you, if this is what, if this is what's going to happen. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't sad about it. It was just like, yeah, you know, the first two times you kind of did it to yourself. And then the, the next time that I actually needed like therapy, I needed to go. I just went whole ass, you know, I just got there, got into my thing, introduced myself and then somehow lasted 10 sessions. Mm. Yeah. What was the outcome of it? How did you feel after? Um, well, during the sessions, I think I did, I, I went through CBT at first, mm. um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Not cock and balls watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, and eventually I was put on medication mm. because, you know, the way that they staggered it, it was like, um, it was like once every couple of weeks or something like that. And yeah. then they would make it really, really far in advance after that. And there was just like, there was shit going on in between. And I think it was, it was good because in a sense I was really looking forward to just letting it out mm. with the therapist the next session. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't want to burden anybody else yeah. with that kind of information, you know? And I was like, these people are professionals. They know how to deal with these things. They know, like, they've, they've seen and heard probably everything. Mm-mm. Um, or, like, you know, everything under the sun, really. So, you know, at the end of it, uh, I felt great because I got a new job. And, um, you know, my, my therapist gave me something to work with. And that was to communicate with my parents what I was hiding from them. Yeah. Which I still haven't. You know, that's that's like a that's a whole progress that's gonna that's gonna probably take a while as well. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up from a Vietnamese background, where my parents are very traditional, you know, they've they've gone through their cycle of life and, you know, they've 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 gone through their trauma and somehow they've dealt with it. And on the outside, I feel like my parents are very, um ignorant towards towards mental health mm-hmm. but you know at the same time I don't I don't know what they've gone through I don't know what they're actually feeling right now yeah you know and I've just never had that conversation with them because I just don't want to take the risk of just pulling out that box that I filed away like so long ago and opening it up and be like here you go I'm like if, if if you find me dead one day here's why you know yeah I mean I think the only exposure I had with mental health with my parents... See, this is the thing, it's fucked. Because a lot of the stuff with, with my mum, we don't... wasn't labelled as mental health issues, right? Mm. It was just, this is family business and you don't talk about it outside the family. Like, yeah. we were very private. And so, to the outside, everyone thought our family was great. Like, mum, everyone loved my mum, do you know what I mean? I loved your mum. Yeah, like, yeah. everyone was like, oh, she's so lovely. And she was the mum that would, like, buy 15 pizzas if your friends suddenly came to hang out at your house. Yeah. And, I was the teen girl that was allowed to have all my guy friends come over and chill because she knew, like, she trusted me yeah. as, a, as a teenager. But behind that layer, there were so many issues that we just didn't share. And or I never shared with my friends, mm-hmm. ever. Chris was the only person that looked behind the curtain because we were dating mm. um, for such a long time before, before we got married and separated. But, like... <laughs> um, but so many people didn't see what was happening. So the only exposure I had had to mental health was my father being a Vietnam War veteran yeah. and suffering from PTSD. But the only thing we would see, 
like he there was no conversation about it because men from that era don't talk right like yep. they don't talk about the issues yep. um and the only thing we would see would be when a helicopter went overhead, he yeah. would run out the front door and look up because for him it reminded him yeah. like, of what was happening back yeah. in the war. But that was the only exposure I'd had to any sort of mental illness. I had like, there was no conversations about it, you know, because we're a fine fan. We're happy. We yes. have a roof over our head, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so similar to you, when I started not sleeping, <laughs> <laughs> I sought out, I went to my GP, um, who made me take the test and thankfully for him, my record from my previous GP when I was younger, he didn't have. So when I was very, very, a lot younger, like 15, 16, um, I took a very different type of test Mm -hmm. and at the time they wanted to test me for bipolar because my mood swings were very, very, very violent and so this is where I was like, I get amused now because I can be very, very hyperactive. Uh-huh. And then when I have a down phase, I can be very, very, very down. Yeah. But I always reconcile it with, it's not as bad as someone with bipolar. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they you suffer always, way, you always way worse. You always try to project it on somebody yeah. else. It's like, I have a lot of friends um, who have way, way worse mental health issues. Mm. Um, and they've relied on medication for you know, God knows how long. Um, you know, and I, I, I used to try and, like, compare it to them. And it's like, listen, they're, they're alive. They're, mm. you know, they're, they're still going. Yeah. Um, like, what do you have to complain about that? I stopped doing that. I stopped doing that. You have to. You have to. You, you have, have to just... It's it's a you thing, you know? Like, you can't really compare um, your experiences to somebody else's. No. Like, you just can't. You just can't. And, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that also um, comes to self-acceptance. Um which, you know, is, is huge to, to deal with. That's, like, one of, like, the pre, pre-steps it's, that you take. The thing that bugs me about mental health awareness now is that people plug this whole mindfulness, they plug, like, self-care, mm. self-awareness, self-acceptance, but they don't... Well-being. Yeah, they don't go into the work that you have to put into to get there. Yeah. It's fucking hard. Yes. Like, it's, it's very, like, marketed PR buzzwords yeah. just, like, thrown in there. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's like, dude, just stop. <laughs> Live well. Yes. All this fucking shit. And I was like... and See nature. Right? And it's like, some people... Get outside. Get nature from a freaking pill. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how they see nature. They get mm-hmm. it from a pill, you know? Exactly. It's... I think it's a, it's a, it's a full-on battle. And, like, I, I remember when I, when I stopped the, the sleeping thing... Um, and I went to my GP, he made me take the test again. Mm-hmm. Tick the box if you're feeling this way, that way, that yeah. way. Was that like a one to five or something like oh, that? something like that. Yeah, it was like a score out of 40 mm. or something. And I tested heavily for anxiety and depression. Yeah. And so the thing that worries me is that as a somewhat actively thinking adult uh-huh. it is so easy for me to lie on that test yeah and so for me i'm like i look at it because it's subjective right like yes. if you're reflecting off your experience it's the same way as like if two people getting the same tattoo done they're mm. gonna have different pain reactions my pain threshold is very high <laughs> <You're> lucky <laughs> for a reason <laughs> with people always say like oh you know you handle the pain very well and in the back of my head i'm like well it's a, it's a thing for me <laughs> like yeah. do you know what yeah. i mean i mean not that it arouses me that's not it it's just that 
I'm comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, getting tattooed is therapeutic because mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's the same mindset I go into with the self-flagellation, for example. <laughs> Not that I practice that at all, <laughs> but anymore. Um, <laughs> but and, it's that vibe, right? Yeah. And so when I had the test done and it was like, oh, you test really high for anxiety and depression. And I was like, I just wanted to look at my doctor and be like, I could have told you that. Um, and he referred me to a psychologist because he was like, do you want to be medicated? I said, no, Mm. I said, I would rather work. I don't want to treat the symptom. I want to address the cause. Yes. I'm like, how do we fix this part of me? That's just been broken inside me for Mm. the last 28 years or whatever it was at the time. And so I saw this lady. And she was a fucking flake. <laughs> she was so bad. Wow. She taught me to... Um, the thing I really got really frustrated with is that she didn't listen to everything. She didn't listen to me, right? Mm. She was like, what's your problem? And I'm like, my problem cannot be summed up into a paragraph. Yeah. I told you a bulk of it yeah. before we recorded this. Yeah. How do you explain it to someone in a quick 30 minutes, you know, yeah, before they get session. into treatment plans? Yeah. It doesn't make... It won't work. Anyway, she came with all these, like, Tai Chi moves on, like, meditation stuff, mm-hmm. which did help. Mm. So part of it for me, my treatment plan was exercise and meditation. Yeah. Is the only thing that could soothe my mind. Yeah. So it got to the point where I was like, all right, well, every day I've got to go out before I go to bed. I'm going to push myself, do a couple of laps of the Oval, because I used to live in New Maryland's Park. Mm-hmm. So it was a run around the Oval come home, have a shower, do my Tai Chi moves. So a lot of it was like, put all your energy, like it was, oh, I can't even remember, it was a specific type of Tai Chi, put all your energy into a ball, put all your thoughts into it, imagine the shape of the ball, the colour, the sheen, and then toss it away. So it'd be like, put the ball, and then... Like, that reminds me of Dragon Ball Z for some reason. He did! <laughs> Alright, and that's the same thing as you. Humour was my way of dealing with it. I would yeah. be like, oh, like superpowers? And yeah. she'd be looking at me like... But the thing is, because... She was so flaky. Mm. I didn't go back after a couple of sessions. That's another thing. Like, you really need to find a good therapist. Mm. Like, if... I think... Um, in my first session that I went to, I told my therapist everything. And she literally called me out for, for everything that I was doing wrong in my life. Mm. And what I was doing... Was, I used to overcompensate for people. Um, I used to, like, you know... I'd never put myself first before mm. anybody else because I was just so fucking dead inside mm. that it actually brought me more joy to care for somebody else rather than myself. Yeah. And she called me out on that. And, you know, you, you've got to look for, for a good therapist. Um, uh, I think there was, like, a subreddit that I, I read ages ago. It was, like, what's what's a red flag mm. when, you know, to on, of, of getting, like, a really bad psychologist? Um I don't remember how far back it was, but if you guys can actually look it up on Reddit, it's, it's quite a popular post, and I recommend that you save it. Yeah. Um, and just prefer to... I'm going to go look for it so we yeah. can share it. Yeah. But I think it's... Uh, finding a good therapist is really, 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 really important. And yeah. the other thing... The other thing that's frustrating is that you have to pay for these treatments. Do you know what I mean? And it's not fucking cheap. The it lady I was seeing cheap. was like $300 for an hour. <laughs> and I was like, why am and I here? How much Where's... was the rebate? Yeah, right? Yeah. I still ended up paying at least 200 and I wasn't satisfied with the situation. And even though the exercise and the meditation helped a bit, mm. I was still couldn't stay asleep. Yeah. So it would help me fall asleep because I'd be fucking tired. Mm. <laughs> and then my usual two, three o'clock in the morning, yes. I wake up. 
here always, I go. It's always the devil's hour, isn't it? Yes. It's always the devil's hour that you're like, you wake up and you have all these like really shitty thoughts. Shitty thoughts, Shitty, man. shitty, shitty, shitty thoughts. I had a whole WordPress yeah. of just like, whenever I would wake up in the middle of the night where my head was at and I would write like a prose or a short story or yeah. poetry about where my head was at and it was fucking depressing. Yeah. And then I would cry mm-hmm. because I'm frustrated because I'm tired. Yeah. I'm sad. I didn't want it to be over, but I can't be over. I didn't feel like I could talk to Chris about how fucking depressed I was yeah. because for him, like I said before, he just wanted to fix it. He didn't yeah. want to hear me or listen to me why I was so like, whatever this was, he just was like, just don't be sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're not happy, change it. I'll be yeah. like, how do I fucking change it? <laughs> and, it was, and I just gave up to having that conversation with him because it didn't go anywhere. Mm. He would get frustrated because he's worried about me being upset. I would get frustrated because he's not hearing me. Mm. You know what I mean? And I just, I gave up. Mm. I was like, all right, well, whatever. I'm going to continue this journey and internalize. Yeah. So didn't tell anyone and can, just decided I'm going to be the person that's there for other people. Yeah. And that'll be my focus. Mm. Like how you were putting other people before yourself. Yeah. Became my thing. Then obviously now in the last couple of years, um, I don't know if Chris will want me to mention this. <laughs> I don't know. He never listens to this anyway. Anyway. We can edit it. <laughs> if you want to. I probably won't. He, I'm, this is for you guys. I mean, okay? this is facts, right? This is facts. This is for you listeners out there. <laughs> we're putting everything on the we're table. getting it all out there. Generally. Um, <laughs> Um, and so when we, when, when I decided to separate from him, yeah. which we don't really talk about anyway, um, was because I didn't want to be in the relationship anymore because I couldn't cope anymore. I was frustrated. I was unhappy. And the longer I was, it's not nothing to do with him. He is a great human being. Mm. And this is the thing I struggle to tell people all the time. Yeah. When they, especially when they meet him, cause they're like, he's a doll. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Chris is the kind of person, he would drive to Bathurst for you if your car broke down in Bathurst. It's a three and a half hour drive. He would go there for you. Lovely, lovely, lovely dude. It's just that in that space, and still now, I didn't have the capacity to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be there. Um, it wasn't that he was making me, he wasn't making me unhappy. It was that I never taken the time to work on myself. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Through the last decade of fucking shit that my family had been through, that I'd been through, never took a time, and I was like, I got this is I got to do it. Yeah, I got to do it. And you so you eventually exhaust yourself, don't you? You do. You exhaust yourself to a point where it's just like you know what? You become Fuck a zombie. You literally just become a shell of a human yeah. being. Yeah. And it was hard mm-hmm. because he and I had been together for like eleven years. And he didn't understand the decision. He's like, but we still care about each other. Mm. Like, why Why do you feel like you have to leave? What did I do wrong? I'm like, you didn't do anything wrong. And if there's anything I could stress to anyone in any kind of relationship, gay, straight, whatever, is <laughs> you can't love someone else properly until you heal yourself, until you mm. love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I did not love myself. <laughs> do you mm. know what I mean? I was at, yeah. a lot of effort. I still don't love myself. God damn it. Oh, I still don't love myself <laughs> in a lot of ways, but not in ways that I used to like hate myself so actively mm. for. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had a lot of, um, I don't know, issues with, with my heritage and stuff like that. Mm. Like I really didn't like being Vietnamese. Really? I hated it. Yep. I hated it. Have you um, been to Vietnam? 
Yeah, I've been to Vietnam. It's a lovely country. It's a very lovely country. Yeah. The visa situation, but, I don't like it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like that—that that was me growing up as as a gay man because you know after the the whole racism thing, it was just mm. like, man, I wish I was a fucking white gay dude. Hundred percent, like it was so much easier. Yeah. And then yeah, it, it became a whole thing where it's like I hate myself being so like gay all the time, and it's just like I feel like I'm putting on this facade that you know I'm I'm like funny as shit. I have like this great personality that I'll care for everybody else but mm. I'm like on the inside I'm like man I want to fucking kill myself someday yeah like, I really just want to fucking disappear I and hear you I've had those nights where you know I where I'm just like lying in bed and I'm honestly thinking about like what would happen like what would what would people's reaction be if I were to be dead bro I think the same we we have uh, both messed up uh, <laughs> I would be very those, sad those just nights, so you know those nights are just fucking terrible yeah. because, and I, I told my therapist and she was just like yeah look those those kind of feelings are normal and then I was um there was there was also one night it was um I came home very very late from dance mm. and I don't know what triggered it but I started having a panic attack while I was driving and in my mind, I was just like, uh, should I record like a, like a, like a farewell video, like right now while I'm driving, mm. and in fucking tears, it's like eleven o'clock at night. No one's on the road, thankfully, and I was driving safely. But, um, yeah, it was it was just fucking dangerous. And yeah. I was just like, where am I? Like, how did I even end up in this situation now? And you know, I I just thought, well, probably because you didn't really care that much about yourself before. And, you know, getting help is also a, also a journey. Mm. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, peaches and daisies on, by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I still think like that. Yeah. This is where I'm at my ment- on my mental health journey. I sleep now, mostly. Mm. <laughs> I try to. I, like I said before, the last few months I've actually been okay. Mm. Um before COVID, I think, or maybe right at the start of COVID. COVID, I think, has actually helped me heal a lot. Yeah. In respect to, like, nurturing myself in my own space. Yes. And having extra time for myself because I'm not outside doing things. Mm. But also the day shifts help. <laughs> <laughs> the night, the afternoon shifts, I found when... And I don't know if it goes hand in hand with just being that devil's hour mm. and being awake or um, just being tired from the shift work. But some of those nights, I was literally like, I don't see my... Like, you know, oh, fucking, the other, someone asked me the other day, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Mm. And I made up an answer because in my head, I wanted to answer dead. Yeah. And I was like, that's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, but for me, it's like, and this is what I try to tell people. I'm like, I'm not suicidal. Yes. I don't want to kill myself. You don't want to go through the act of it. Yes. Yeah. But also, for me, my issue is, and a lot of this stems, like, I've been thinking about this a lot recently because the whole Chadwick Boseman thing, right? Mm. He was talking about how, like, when you leave, you're supposed to live a life of purpose. And I thought to myself, like, I feel like when I get to a certain point, my purpose will be over and that'll be time for me to, to remove myself from the equation. Yeah. Like, what am I going to live for mm-hmm. beyond this point? Yeah. And I couldn't see it. 
And I got a little bit upset about it because I was like, well, that's a bit fucked up. And then, mm-hmm. and then I thought, and I was like, well, is it though? I mean, like, how many billions of people on this planet? And yeah, like, right. do I really need to be here? Is my presence on this earth really worth yeah. fucking anything? Yeah. And I was like, and then I keep going back to it. I'm like, you're completely replaceable. And it's not that I'm super super depressed it's just that i'm extremely pragmatic <laughs> and i feel like i'm here for a good time not a long time you know what yeah. i'm saying <laughs> yeah good time not a long time i like that yeah. yeah so it's not that i'm actively trying to get myself or to kill myself it's just like i would just like to celebrate a shorter life and then yeah. and then remove myself because i for me there's nothing worse than imagining myself as like an old lonely person that's what i fear as well yeah you know well we'll have each other yeah, we'll hold on to each other. It's, Don't you fucking go out there, bro! <laughs> yeah, take me with you! Uh, 50th, um, 50th anniversary of the mercurial. Remember <laughs> that time we were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, people are listening to me like, these people are so fucked. <laughs> but you know what? Maybe that's a good thing because they might open, like, they might reflect on themselves. Well, this is the thing, right? Like, this mental health awareness is all about awareness <laughs> creating a conversation yes. on what we're suffering as people yeah. and you know i will admit the two of us have probably been through a fair share of shit mm. compared to the average person yeah so for an average person listening to this we might come across dramatic yeah. or you know um facetious or, could, or something yeah, or you, could, you know get someone who actually resonates with, yeah. with what you're going through and it's for those people that is, is what is it's intended intended for so yeah. it's like if you want to i just don't want people to feel ashamed i, I don't at this point now in my life i'm 31 man i have no 28. shame <laughs> 28 and single i'm a pisces yes. <laughs> aries what are you aries, aries. Oh, why are so many aries men's around right now i don't know like I, I never even follow my horoscope anyway. Like, I only follow it when it's convenient. <laughs> don't tell anyone that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, this makes sense. It has to be true. My Chinese horoscope said I was going to have employment problems in November. If that comes true, I'm going to be like, my horoscope's true, everybody. But if it doesn't come true, I'm like, it's a cockroach. My horoscope anyway. is, um, I get offended when it benefits me. <laughs> well, must be true. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking horoscopes, bro. Mm. Um, but I think it's like, I'm at a, I'm a, this is, it's the hardest thing for me to explain to people now, especially people like our dear friend Quacks. Mm. I try to tell him I'm extremely content with where I am at life because he doesn't understand that I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm not looking like, I don't have goals. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's nowhere I, nowhere else I want to be that I'm mm. pushing to get to. He doesn't get that. <laughs> but for me, it's the whole idea of this podcast was like, I wanted to create a community or a place for people to feel comfortable sharing their true selves with. Because, yeah. and I think my, which is probably a goal now that I think about it. <laughs> oh, I have a goal. Um, because I feel like as a society, there is so much, and it disgusts me. Mm. There's so much pressure to be a cookie cutter image of some stereotype stigma whatever yes. whatever yeah and we it's are like all... how i was like given the, the image of like you know a perfect hot straight white gay yes. person bashed into my head yeah and i was like i'm gonna change everything well like you're not going to be the only vietnamese exactly. gay guy yes. in the world yes. do you know and, what i mean you know it, it comes to a point where it's just like i can't fucking do shit anymore i can't change anything yeah you know you just eventually 
accept what you're given mm-hmm. and you move on with life. I think it's and kind of like you, and this is the thing about like how I feel about you is that like you're so vibrant. Like when you're comfortable and yeah. you're <laughs> sharing like your the true stuff coming out of you, yeah. like anxieties and all. Yeah, it's so beautiful to see. <laughs> I get that a lot. Mm. Actually, I get that a lot. It's like it's people people assume that I'm incapable of having a very serious sit down mm. conversation. Because, you know, on the outside, it's like, you know, if I'm, if I'm social and if I'm around good company, mm. you know, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. And there is, a, there is a side of my personality that lets out that happiness, which is, you know, very over the top and campy mm. and, yeah. um, you know, bright and colorful and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but in sit down situations to like such as this, mm. I'm not afraid to get serious. Yeah. I'm not afraid to get serious with, with, with anyone. And, you know, that's. I think that's why I'm, I'm glad I can come on this podcast and talk about myself in this, in this regard. Yeah. Um, because not a lot of people have that kind of outlet. No. A lot of people just have that one option to fake it or make it. Yes. Like fake it or make it. That's it. That's the thing. Like, I'm like, why do we keep telling people to fake it till you make it? Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. No. But that's also because I've been faking it like living my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. But we're, I think we're at the point now. It's just like. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. It is more damaging than it is helpful. Well, what I was discussing on the resilience episode is, um, I said something along the lines of, if you ask me how I am, be prepared for an honest answer. Because yeah. I'm tired of having, I found a lot over the last two years. I've like some, how are you Larry? And I'll be like, I'm great. And I'm not fucking great. Yeah. Hey, look, I spent the last four hours in a heaving mess on my bed. Mm. My eyes are fucking puffy. Mm-hmm. I look like shit. I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to walk into traffic last night. Yeah. Like, I'm not okay, bro. But and then no there's going to be like that long that. silent pause. And it's like, did you want some Panadol? <laughs> it's like, do you want some water? Throat lots and shit out. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we'll just pause that bit there. <laughs> it's, it's quite the same. Um, but, you know, speak coming off the back of that, mm. how do you feel about things like Are You Okay Day? Um, I thought my phone was muted, sorry. Um, I am... I have mixed feelings. Same. I do like that it encourages people to have the conversation. Mm. But I, then I also feel like, well, we do it on this one day and then we kind of sweep it under the rug until next year. Yeah. And then people forget that it's a thing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, personally, I think it's very invasive because I've... Oh, that too. I've been in like corporate situations where, you know, they, they, they put up all the banners for like, are you okay day? They set aside a time. And I remember specifically, it was like from, from my old job, um, they had set a time for like 3 PM where everyone just kind of like stops working. All of the managers were just kind of like walking around and being like, Hey, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Mm. But it, was, it just felt very, um, disingenuous. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. And yeah. And a lot of, a lot of the, um, people that I know in my life as well, who have been depressed and stuff like that, they openly are against the whole are you okay mm. um movement as like uh it's like a, in terms of marketing yeah and i'm like i see i see both sides to it yes i see both sides to it because i know that the 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 ceo of of the charity um he's also dealt with someone in their 
blossoms was a suicide. Mm. So I, I get why that would start that. You know, it's it's very much like a passion project, but it's it's become this it's become this thing. Yeah. This thing that like that corporate just loves to cling on to. I think it's because they it makes them look like they're doing something. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they're not really doing anything. Yeah. Like, do you know how many people... Pandering. When, when my mom took her life, I... It wasn't announced to the team, mm. to the people we work with, mm. which I was happy about because yeah. I didn't want to have to come and be, like, the the focus of pity and, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. But then when I have the conversations with people later, I've actually had people who disbelieved me because I said it with a straight face. Yeah. Like, should I be on the floor hysterical Mm -hmm. when I share this news and then I think it was last year on this day I just didn't care for it I didn't want to hear it because at that point it was it wasn't even a year since Mm. she'd been gone Mm -hmm. and I was like very bitter Mm. because I just wouldn't be like you don't fucking care yeah you don't really care and you're not mentally or like prepared yeah to have an answer if you were going to find out. Like, it's like if you actually cared, you wouldn't wait for this one day yeah. to tell me. 100%. Just like, you don't know, wait till fucking Valentine's Day to tell someone you love them. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's how I felt about it last year. This year, I'm in a slightly better headspace, so mm-hmm. I'm not as bitter about it. But that's also because I've got this outlet mm-hmm. now to focus and like think. And I'm actually actively thinking about how to improve my mindset. But I just feel like we need to stop fucking putting fake answers out there. If someone asks you how you are, you should be able to openly and comfortably say, shit. (laughs) I'm fucked, mate. Where can I assist you going forward? Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, do you need a day off? Mm. Do you want to get some water? Do you want a break? Mm -mm. Do you want want lunch? (laughs) Oh, but... I mean, my, my immediate response, if, if anyone asked me that in like a jovial kind of, um, like way on, on that particular day, it's like, mm. fuck off. It's like, don't ask me. I reckon, I say this, I say I'm going to be okay now, mm. but I think when it approaches, I'm going to get shitty again. Yeah, 100%. And I'm just going to, but me being me, I never like to, it's not that I'm non-confrontational, it's that I don't like to cause unnecessary conflict unless it's a real issue that Mm. deserves that attention. And so in the inside, I'm going to be like, you don't fucking really care. And that's, whenever someone asks me how I am, my first response internally is, don't ask me, you don't care. And I'm just going to lie to you anyway and say I'm fine. Oh, I'm great. I'm dandy. Oh, everything is peaches and cream. I'm vibrant. I'm a rainbow. You know what I mean? And I... And part of it, yes, I will admit a lot of it is my own fault because I wasn't in a position where I felt comfortable enough to be openly honest about how I felt. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had to put on this facade. And now people expect me Mm -hmm. to be bubbly all the time. Do you know what I mean? They're like, this is the Larissa we know. She comes in. Hi, everybody. Oh, my God. Good morning. Have you heard my fucking joke? (laughs) And inside, internally, I want to stab my eyeballs out. being fake fake it's just that this is the version of me that's more palatable mm-hmm. and if that means that people are going to leave me alone and not dig into my current issue of the day mm-hmm. i'll wear it yeah that's what it is but that's that shouldn't that's not okay that shouldn't be the case no but no, that's how no, i'm no. coping with it you yeah. know what i mean yeah <sighs> stupid <laughs> and um yeah like that's 
I mean, that's just how I do things, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, here is my very inappropriate joke. Yeah. As a way of getting you to respond to me in a way that will just make you go away. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And the, I think the other thing that a lot of people haven't cottoned on to with regards to my physical appearance, right? Mm. I deliberately make my hair... And like, like I'm covered in tattoos, I have facial piercings, I wear weird colours or like weird clothes or I listen to very angry music. Mm -hmm. These are all very obvious markers that I don't want to be approached. Yeah. I'm trying to push myself outside of your box. Mm -hmm. But my bubbles <laughs> brings everybody back in. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> the cult. The cult, the as cult we call them boy. lovingly. I mean look. I, I, I think of myself as an ambivert. I can be very extroverted, but I also really value my alone time. I've never heard that term before. Ambivert? Like that. Yeah, I've never it's heard a bit that. of both. Okay. Or switches. Think about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm an ambivert. <laughs> you probably are an ambivert too. Yeah, I very much am. And I do, I, I do love people, and I love. Um, creating a sense of community. I don't yeah. like people to feel excluded because I know what it's felt like to be excluded yeah. growing up. Mm -hmm. And you would definitely know what it feels like to oh, be excluded 100%. growing up, right? Which is why I'm grateful to be on this podcast today. Yes. <laughs> Sponsored by Gay Asians. <laughs> but I think it's like why, why I have this like, I'm so... Um, I seem to just gravitate towards being an auntie of the team, you know, mm. and being an auntie to my friends is I love having gatherings at my home because mm. I love having a place where people feel like they can be comfortable going to. And it's like, and look forward to going to. Yeah. As well. yeah. And I think a lot of the people, this is going to sound so weird <laughs> and like kind of up myself, but like, <laughs> A lot of the people we come into contact with, I think they love the idea of being cool. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like being accepted, yeah. being celebrated. And if I can provide that to people, fucking come over. Everybody's yeah. welcome, bro. Like <laughs> Up to 20 people <laughs> during this time. Because I feel like some people just don't get, they don't ever get the chance. But yeah, they don't have that outlet. Mm. They just don't. I mean, I, I can tell you like before when, uh, from the ages of about... 20 to 24. Mm -hmm. I literally only had about two contacts in my phone that I regularly texted. Mm. And I got so lonely. It was so bad because, you know, my previous workplace, I was just in a, a very different headspace and I just wasn't open to making friends quite yeah. quickly. Um, you know, and then I kind of forced myself to take dance classes. Mm. Um, always wanted to also do dance as well when I was younger. I know. Um, yeah, <laughs> she would know. <laughs> um, yeah, and and you know, I, I kind of you know use that as an outlet mm. to to expand my my social bubble or my my socialize um, socialization skills. Mm -mm. It put me in a good place for a little bit, and then I slumped hard. Yeah, I slumped so fucking hard in the first year of, of of me dancing. I was like excelling. I was like placing in competitions and all that kind of stuff, like even overseas as well. And then I just completely slumped because I, I kind of looked back at it and it's like, did I force myself to do this? Mm. And then a lot of the self-doubt started to creep back in yeah. in my mid-twenties. And then, you know, I, I fought with that for probably another two years and then now here I am. 
I feel like you also didn't really have a great support network. Mm -hmm. And that's so important. Yeah. And just know that you've got us now. Us. I'm grateful for. Yeah, our mate, this is that a was very full circle moment. It is, right? It's a very full circle moment. And like, this is, this is why I do it. Mm. It's just like, I can't imagine having, maybe because I went through all that stuff alone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, Chris was there, but like, I, I hit a lot of it. Um, fucking, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> you're always going to feel alone in those kind yeah. of situations though. And I'm just like, I can't, I, I just don't, I don't want another person to go to yeah. like, to think that if someone has come into contact with me and they think they're alone and like, it's someone I have contact with on a daily basis, like, bro, you're not. No, you're really not. Like, you're really not. <laughs> my door is literally open all the time. My door is never locked. Literally. <laughs> I don't know, there's a bat here somewhere, I don't know where it is at the moment, but um, I don't even, it's not even out in the open anymore. It used to be like right behind the door and I used to threaten that someone would come and I'd bash him up, but oh. <laughs> now I'm just like, I heard the door open shut, I just thought it was quack, so I'm like, thank God I'm dressed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hi, <laughs> can I come in? It's actually really cute when Vincent does it, because he just sort of pops his head in. He just pops his head in. Oh my God. And he just silently moves to the house. And I'm like, okay. whoa! Oh, <laughs> so cute. I love him. Um, but yeah, the thing. That's the thing. Like, I really feel like people deserve to be celebrated mm-hmm. no matter where they come from, what they believe in, what they mm-hmm. look like, you know, what gender they are. Mm-hmm. But this is, I think, also like my pansexual curse. Because I really, really, for me, it's all about people's personalities. I'm so, I don't care about what you look like on the outside. You know what I mean? I don't care. This shit does not matter to me. I don't care. But if you have a soul, (laughs) if you have like a really good heart or like, you know, a really bright personality, I love to see people flourish like that. That's what I feel like I'm here to like help bridge people into the vine. I like to support people into that. Yeah. I feel like I'm a good supporter. You're doing a great job. Well, thank you. Fantastic. I'm yeah. trying. I'm trying. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah. But I feel like with regards to my journey in the world, like, that that for me is, like, my one thing that mm-hmm. I actually care about. Mm-hmm. As regards to, like, my own legacy, like, remarrying or reconciling or having children, I don't see that in my future. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's just going to be... Um, this is just my, my lot in life, but I'm cool with that. I'm content. Yes. You do get to that point eventually. Mm. Well, took me 31 years, but I got yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> took me 28 and yes, I'm here. <laughs> Exposing myself to everyone. Mm. Yeah, me. I, I shared a lot more than I intended to share on here. Yeah. But, um. But then now you know. Off, this is all for you guys. Just don't look at me with your pity eyes or I'll punch you out. Yeah. <laughs> Come in. Hey. Hey. Hello. Hey. Yeah. Get out. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> How's KFC? I only go KFC. What? Uh, I went to um, my buffet butchers something or another. Came out here. Anyway, seven Lebanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that on that strip, if you walk up the side street on the left hand side. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Where well, we used to park? Near the tennis yeah, court? Yeah, yeah. yeah, just before that. Oh, yeah. It's really good. Cool. I used to go to the Chartown. Oh, there. Ruin your, 
No, it's alright. We're we're winding down. Yeah, we're winding up. <laughs> winding up, winding down. Winding it down, down, down. For all the gays out there. It's a little sonar. What's echo? <laughs> I was like, I'll, just, I'll add the reverb in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that was a great sesh. How long was that? Good sesh. I'm unchecked. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Next it's like, whoa! Oh, that's good though! That is going to be a good episode. Hit us up on Instagram at Mercurial Podcast. Michael doesn't have social media. I don't have social media. <laughs> That's that's probably another thing that uh, my friend Tim will talk about. Mm. Mm. But you know, message me and I'll reach out to him if you want to talk to him. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Say goodbye. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> that was a fail pop. Hey. <laughs>